my name is Jake, and you're listening to High History. It's well, a conversation. I'm open this. Is it twist? Okay, yeah, this one's twist. I'm scared. Let's see. Scared to open this? Yeah. Like, any kind of popping bottle is scary. Oh, yours is a twist, popping too. You do it first. So let me see how scary it is. Oh. Like a blizzard. Oh, there's, like, no pop at all. It's a total twist. Nice. Okay. <gasps> These, I feel like, are perfect for recording. I'm going to get more baby bottles. Mm-hmm. Not baby bottles. That sounds weird. But little single serve prosecco. Cheers. Because we're fancy. We have Cheers. a podcast. Fancy. <laughs> Last week we were drinking beer, mm-hmm. and this week we're drinking prosecco. It's nice. Well, now we officially have one episode, so now we fancy. Yeah, we are <laughs> fancy. It's kind of fun. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. How's your week been? It's oh. been good. Have you learned anything new about history this week? I... Albeit everything else that has happened <laughs> to you this week. I have. It's been a great week. I'm really excited because last weekend I went to Boston, Mm -hmm. and so I had a bunch of time on the train back and forth, Mm -hmm. and I was like, perfect. I will write out a whole bunch of synopsises for future synopsis? Synopsises? Future episodes. Whatever. A bunch of things for future episodes, but I have ADHD, so I can't. Right. So I started writing one that was really interesting, and then when I was in Boston... I randomly came across this topic and was like, wait, so it's my current fixation. And I'm really excited to talk about it because I have been reading article after article all week. Nice. (laughs) For my own enjoyment. And now it works for here, too. Nice. So do you want to introduce what the topic is about this week and Mm -hmm. what we'll be talking about? Yeah. I'm super excited because we're talking about the 1925 serum run in Alaska Mm -hmm. with the sled dog most famously known balto of sled dog fame (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think sled dog fame but movie fame Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he was a movie star before he was a sled dog i think (laughs) i think it was i think it was within him to be famous for something yeah it's interesting there's a lot of twists and turns here i actually have not seen the animated movie since i was a kid so i don't really remember how accurate it is Okay, I'm here to fill you in because (laughs) Maddie told me that she was researching all of this stuff about Balto, and I thought the perfect way for me to prepare for the podcast was to watch the movie because that was just the best way for me to do it. So um, I watched the movie, and I learned quite a bit, but Maddie has sent me a synopsis Mm -hmm. in my uh, drafts that I have read over probably 30 minutes ago. So I'm a little bit versed in what the story is about I'm excited to learn more because Maddie has a ton that she hasn't told me, apparently. So I just think it's going to be fun that way. Okay. There's sled dogs. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's like 150 sled dogs. That's a lot of sled dogs. And there's only one or two that we're actually going to talk about. The story starts in uh, 1924 in mm-hmm. Nome, Alaska. Mm-hmm. Which, way up there. Yeah, and it has up there. one doctor for Nome and the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. Just one. That's mm-hmm. all. So this doctor is checking over his supplies or whatever doctors do, and he realizes their diphtheria antitoxin is expired, which is not good because diphtheria is a pretty big thing at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's big in Alaska or it's big everywhere? It specifically just hit like the other side of Alaska pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Did it come from Russia? I have no idea. Okay. I'm not going to place any blame. It was 1925. <laughs> I guess Russia wasn't like couldn't really do that stuff in the 1920s, right? I don't. I don't know. Maybe. 
Nome is like out there though. It's like I looked it up on the map for this podcast and it's like pretty close to Russia, which in the movie they have that bird, which he's Russian. <laughs> and it's funny because he's like apparently got lost from his flock Aww. and like wandered too far and then he wandered over to Alaska from Russia. So he's like a Russian duck the whole time. Or he's like he's not a duck, he's like a pelican. Something weird. I don't think um I don't think that's in the real story, but <laughs> Okay, I think bird. he was real. He was real to me. So <laughs> <laughs> he, he was there in the story. So Nome, Alaska, this tiny little town. So a few thousand people. There's really not much that goes on up there. But I think that there was, it was like a sledding place in general. Or mm-hmm. did people just get around by sleds? Yeah, it was, sled dog racing was like an athletic feat. Like it was something that people would compete in. In Alaska. But it also was a way of travel because, mm-hmm. especially in Nome, the train station was very, very, very far away, and they had a port, but the port froze over in the winter, and planes were not reliable or very good in the cold yet, so... Right, so it was, like, really far up there. Really, you have sled dogs. That's what you have. Mm-hmm. And apparently, you also have diphtheria. So, diphtheria somehow outbreaks in this tiny little town, right? And yeah, it's everybody's also... indoors. It's the winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The doctor realizes there's no antitoxin. In his supply. Or he has antitoxin, but it's all expired. It's expired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't think it's a huge deal. He still puts in an order around spring of 1924. He puts in an order for he, more. He only had like one or two cases to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Really small. And the order does not make it before the port freezes over. So the earliest this antitoxin can be delivered is the spring. The spring of 1924. 1925. Oh. Because we're going into the winter. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. So. And it's um, so cold up there. Yeah. Wow. And it's like not great, but it's not bad. There's not an outbreak. But if there is an outbreak, you really have to worry because they say up to 50% of people, if left untreated, will can die. And even wow. if you don't die, your like heart can have trouble pumping your blood. Your kidneys can start to fail. Mm-hmm. You can be paralyzed. Right. And in Alaska, it's even worse because the whole native population of Alaska has no exposure or no natural resistance or exposure. Right. Right. So it's pretty fatal. So is it like the movie, obviously, mm-hmm. it was just children getting sick. So is it like mm. worse on children? Yeah. They say um, under five and over 60 are super Whoa. at risk. Okay. So yeah, they have no antitoxin. It's supposed to come. It doesn't come. People start getting a little bit of a sore throat, a little bit of a sickness mm-hmm. uh, in about mid-January 1925. Mm-hmm. And this one doctor who's running this whole area with like four nurses doesn't think too much of it because he thinks if it's diphtheria, he would see more sickness in these children's families. Because of how easily it spreads? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And he doesn't. So he thinks they're fine until this uh, three-year-old boy dies. Mm -hmm. And once he dies, it's confirmed that it's a case of diphtheria. Okay. Because they test him or something? uh Uh-huh. I guess so. And then a couple weeks later, a seven-year-old girl gets really sick. Which is in the movie. I think that is who Rosie is for anybody that remembers the movie Balto. Oh, I think this one's much sadder. Could be. Oh. Because he tries to give her the expired antitoxin, and she dies a few hours later. Oh. Okay. The movie is much better than the actual (laughs) story. 
<laughs> much uh-huh. better. So this little girl dies, even though she actually ends up living she's in the not, real movie. Yeah, may- yeah, maybe she's not Rosie. She could be. She could be, but it didn't go so well for her in real life. She, yeah, she doesn't do so well. It's very sad. He calls an emergency meeting with the like, doctor the councils. Yeah. Okay. And they decide to quarantine. And everybody listens. Everybody quarantines. But it's a little too late. There's at least 20 confirmed cases Mm -hmm. and up to 50 exposures. Okay. So that's like a lot of people in that town. Yeah. That's like an epidemic at that point. And it's just like even if you're quarantining, once it gets to your family, if it's already in your family. You're going to get sick. Yeah. It's like COVID. Somebody in the house has it, but they don't have masks up there. (laughs) <laughs> True. Wait, it was spread through droplets, right? Yeah, just, yeah, similar to COVID. Just people coughing, being disgusting. Living their life. In the winter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're all out here. So they realize this is bad, and they decide they need to get antitoxin. But planes are not reliable. They can't fly. They haven't flown even half that distance mm-hmm, in this weather mm-hmm. in tests before. Nome is like on this little tiny peninsula. And I guess it's right on the water. So I think the best way to travel there would be by boat. Mm-hmm. Right? As long as your port's not frozen. Yeah. yeah. As long as your port's not frozen over, which apparently it was from like October to March. Yeah. So it's like a unanimous vote to use sled dogs right it's also 1925 right so Mm -hmm. it's like is the car isn't even around at that point yeah the car isn't even a thing maybe it is in the big cities but definitely not in alaska so the the best way far the train is far away okay the train oh the train is in nipana Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's how nipana comes up okay so they're quarantining in the town everybody's starting to get sick they have like 50 exposures they have Mm -hmm. 20 cases about 20 confirmed cases confirmed cases Mm -hmm. and then the two little kids that died yeah from it yeah so so they decide sled dogs are going to be their best option they call they call down or they like patch down down to anchorage to get the toxin yeah the antitoxin they first think it's going to have to come from seattle oh wow okay which is not great and they're kind of panicking Mm mm-hmm and then Anchorage realizes they have some antitoxin that they forgot they had. They have, like, two cases of it. Mm-hmm. So they patch it over on the train as fast as possible. It gets there the next day to the first leg. Okay. Which and is how, which is far. Yeah. Still far? Or it still needs to go to Napana? No, no. It goes from Anchorage to Napana. Okay. So Napana is in like central Alaska. Mm-hmm. If you can think of Nome as all the way on the west side near Russia, Nepana is like right near the dead center of Alaska. So mm-hmm. again, when I looked at this on the map, like it is far. 647 is miles. 647 miles away from each other. Yeah. They first call on this champion musher named um Leonard Sapala. Is that how you think you'd say it? Mhm. And he has, like, won awards. He has records. Like, he is known. Mm-hmm. So he's the man that's going to come save the day. Mm-hmm. He's going to take his sled dogs to Nipana. Yeah. Well, no. He doesn't start it. He's not the first one. He just organized it. He's the one that thought up the idea. I don't think so. I think they thought up the idea, and then they called him knowing the... he was such a okay. known musher. Mm-hmm. And he originally was going to take the final leg. He was going to deliver the antitoxin to Nome. Okay. But then they were like, hey, you're the greatest. You're so good at this. We need you to take not only what is the longest stretch, but also the most dangerous. There's 20 mushers. And he's towards the end. 
He's taking about 91 miles, which is almost double what any other musher did. Mm -hmm. And it's like a dangerous stretch. Mm -hmm. Like he's supposed to take this shortcut that is like pretty life threatening. Mm -hmm. And he is like, yeah, I'll do it. That's fine. But because everything is happening so fast and there's like a switch up to have him do this really dangerous stretch to make this shortcut. He has to travel, him and his dog team have to travel 170 miles just to get to their starting point. Mm-hmm. So before any dog has done any leg of this. So they set up this whole relay system mm-hmm. along the 647 miles. Yeah. So tons of different teams of dogs are dispatched out to different locations along this path. Some of them are dispatched to locations none 170 miles away, like Sepala. A lot of so, them live in the locations. So they're just being passed off and continuing on to the next one. Gotcha. But it has to be like perfect clockwork because in Alaska, a relay of this length has in the past taken about nine days. Mm -hmm. And they are pretty sure that in such harsh conditions, this antitoxin will only last six. So they have about six days to get it there. Mm -hmm. So you got to shave off a lot of time. Which is why he was chosen for this shortcut. Sepala. Yeah. So he travels 170 miles just to his starting point. About Mm -hmm. the same time the first team is starting. So the first team sets out. There's all of the mushers are so important, but I don't know all of them. In the whole story. Okay. So Sepala was kind of the famous one because he orchestrated all of this. Right? He was just the first one they contacted. Right. The movie was a lot more about the dogs. Yeah. That's fair. Ugh. So I just don't... um, Seppala was just a very well-known... He was already a famous musher, mm-hmm. and he bred his dogs to be fast and good. Right. So he just had the best ones. Mm-hmm. So which one of his dogs... What, who was his leader? Who was his leader? Togo Togo. Was. Togo mm-hmm. was his leader. So Togo, I think, in the Balto movie, yeah. for anyone that remembers, is Steel, who's actually the antagonist in the movie. <gasps> Yes. Oh. And they make a feud between the dogs over a female dog, but also over <laughs> the racing in general. And They weren't racing. They were working together. Well, yeah. They never ended up working together in the movie. He was just always the antagonist up until the very end and then up until he got what was coming for Oh, him. no. Yeah. So we'll get back to that, though. But Leonard Seppala decides that he's going to take the longest route of this journey, which is the he last time it's Yeah, they ask him to. They think he's the only one who can take this shortcut. So basically, the first two dog mushers, they don't do so well. So they have these vials. They're packaged in like 12 different things. They're like foam rolled in little cylinders. And there's about 30 doses. Mm-hmm. They start off. The first guy loses like three dogs along the way. Oof. He passes it off to the second guy, who I think... it. One of the early guys also loses two dogs. He loses two dogs on the way, and he doesn't start out with that many. So he ends up getting in front of his sled. He is pulling his sled himself with his dogs. Jeez. It goes to another guy whose hands are so frostbitten that when he gets to his stop, they have to pour water on them so that he can get them off of the rail that he's holding on to. Like the sled rail. Right, because it's so cold, there was Mm -hmm. a storm. Yeah, it's like negative 50 degrees. Negative 50 degrees. That's why there was no boats. That's why there Mm -hmm. was no airplanes. That's why there was no... I mean, I guess they never built the railroad out there, but... Yeah. Wow. So it's freezing out there. Mm -hmm. It is like the coldest New York City day Mm -hmm. times 10. It is very, very cold. They're racing a storm. They're already racing time. It's insane. So it gets to Seppala. And 
Cephala is in the middle on the dangerous okay. stretch. Okay. But he's taking the longest leg. Okay. So he has Togo, who is this world-renowned dog that Cephala has, like, won records with. Togo's 12 already, though. Oh, so he's big in the community. The mm-hmm. community knows mm-hmm. him. Or is he just well-known all over? He, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if the rest of the world knew or cared that much about sled dogs until it was like this life-threatening situation. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So, Seppala is taking this worst leg of the journey. It's not good, but the weather is a little bit better for him. He's heading into the storm, but temperatures are a little warmer. It's about negative 30, about 25 mile per hour wind. He decides to take the shortcut, and it's Togo who leads them along an icy river safely. Because mm-hmm. some of the time, Seppala cannot even see. Gotcha. So, he is covering almost twice. I think the last leg of the journey with Balto was the second longest, and that was 53 miles. Seppala does about 90. Gotcha. After wow. the so 170. With, to with Togo. Mm-hmm. So Togo leads Seppala to his starting point, 170 miles, Mm -hmm. and then he leads him through the most dangerous little shortcut of this journey, and it's a 90, 90, 91-mile trip. Wow. Because he had to go the 170 miles there and then the 91 miles back. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess they went 170 miles to their start, and then I don't know what direction from there they went 91, but towards Nome. (laughs) So, yeah, their 90, 91 miles is like their official patch of the relay. Mm Mm-hmm. And they go into the storm, they pass it off, they do what they're supposed to do. Eventually, it gets to the second to last leg, which is Balto. And Balto is led by Gunnar Kassen. Gunnar Kassen. Kassen. Kassen, I think. Okay, well, Gunnar Kassen takes the second to last leg. And Gunnar Kassen is an employee of Seppala. Okay. And Balto... So he's working for the man. And Balto is also Seppala's dog. So the owner of Togo is the owner of Balto. So they're like stepbrothers. Yeah, but... They're like heroic stepbrothers. Yeah, but Balto was not born with the specific genes and build that Seppala was breeding for. I think I might have heard something about this in the movie. So he thinks that Balto is, like, a second-tier dog. He's like, no, Balto's never been part of a winning team. Is this because Balto was half-wolf? Or is that just a myth? True. Okay. It could be. He was just a second-rate dog? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. In the movie, he had this whole wolf identity, and it was actually really cool because, like, there was, like, wolves that led him, and he had to, like, tap into his wolf self to get to the end of the race. Oh. Yeah. Aren't huskies, like, part wolf? Sometimes? I think so. Maybe. They're fun. Yeah, they're so cute. Yeah. They're probably close to wolves. Okay. Yep. So he's a husky. He's doing the last leg. but yeah. he The second to last leg. Second to last There's leg. There's one more musher right. left. He is not owned by... His musher. Yeah. His current musher. Kassen. Yes. He's owned by Seppala. And this leg is rough, too. This is like the storm is going on. At one point, there were 80 mile per hour winds that knocked the whole Freezing. sled. They flip the sled. Kaysen gets frostbite. Okay. Digging through the snow when his sled flipped over to get this antitoxin. And the storm is so bad that the last musher thinks they're delayed. So he falls asleep. He falls asleep at a reasonable time, sort of. But Kassin is early, and the last musher is asleep. 
when he gets to mm-hmm. the station. Like the trade-off point. Gotcha. And so Cassin and Balto decide, well, Balto's a dog. He doesn't decide, but he just listens. Right, right. So uh, pretty much Cassin gets to this point. The guy's asleep. Mm-hmm. They're not just going to wake him up. It takes super long to get these dogs ready, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's, it's just like a very long time. He can't just like get the dogs, put them in the reins. Yeah. It would take a long time, I think, because they're trying to deliver this within six, six days. days. And this is a trip that usually takes nine days. Mm-hmm. So I think that they were just so pressed for time at the time. So Kassen gets to this place and this guy's asleep and he thinks, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So he just keeps going. Yeah, he decides, I'm going to do these last 25 miles, too. And I'm going to... That's it? 25 miles? Yeah. That was the last mushers. For a 647-mile journey and this guy couldn't be up? Jeez. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, okay. He thought the guy was delayed and he actually was early. So, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyways, yeah, he continues on. And he makes it with the antitoxin. He makes it and he delivers it to Nome at about 5.30 in the morning. Just about exactly five and a half days after they started. So it's a record for this distance. Wow. wow. So the previous record was nine days? I don't know if that's like okay, a record or, that's just or the, like a right. ti- average time it takes. Average time that it takes. But they make it in five and a half. They deliver it. There's a second trip that's like not in a storm and a little more relaxed because mm-hmm. it's not so harsh. Mm-hmm. But they say that the official toll, not the official, the recorded death toll is either five, six, or seven. But they think with some of the native tribes in the area, it could be closer to 100. Oh. But we just didn't really record them. In Nome? In the area of Nome. Okay. So Kassen rides into town on Balto. And everybody is like, you're a hero? Well, here's where it gets interesting. Kassen rides in at 5.30 in the morning. So Mm. it is dark. It's 1925 in Alaska. In the winter. Mm Mm-hmm. Where it's, it's like dark. always dark yeah. in the winter. Okay. So he rides in and it is very dark. He is a hero because he delivers the antitoxin mm-hmm. and, you know, saves lives. Maybe not Rosie's lives. Life. Rosie's life was saved in the movie. Mm-hmm. He made it in the movie. So, yeah, he rides in. He saves lives. It's a big deal. But you can't get information places that well there, which is why... There was like mess ups and confusion about where some of the mushers even were at Mm -hmm. some of the times. Mm -hmm. So nobody knew exactly when he was coming in. So he gets in at 530. It's pitch black. It's there's no light. He delivers it. And then in the morning, later in the morning, when there's like light and people, they are like, hey, can we take some photos? So he stages his ride in. Gotcha. With Balto in the lead. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people say or think that Balto actually ran co-lead, like Santa's reindeer, like two, 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 two. Right, and he was not Rudolph. <laughs> no, no, there's he was like co-lead, like before Rudolph when they were still making fun of Rudolph and oh. he wasn't allowed to join in the reindeer games. Okay, 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 okay. So he was raid. <laughs> <laughs> then one foggy Christmas Eve, they yeah. needed medicine for diphtheria. <laughs> Not quite as charming. And <laughs> and Balto came riding in, but who was Balto's co-lead? A dog named Fox. Another dog of Sepala's. Okay. But the media thinks that a dog named Fox is confusing. Interesting. (laughs) They think Balto's a better name, and reporting a dog named Fox just is confusing to the situation. So 
a lot of people say maybe those photos were staged with Balto at single lead. Oh, interesting. That's crazy because they could just capitalize Fox. They could just be like two dogs of Balto and Fox instead of just yeah. like, because like you wouldn't put a capital F if it's not a, I don't know. But they decided it wasn't as good of a name. So too. then they restaged it with Balto writing in at the front. Yeah, well, so the photos in the morning just have Balto. Whether that is the way it was set up, whether that is just how he decided it for that morning, or whether the media people there were like, hey, we just want one lead dog, not Fox. That's confusing. Uh, we don't really know. It's also hard to say because Seppala was not really Balto's number one fan. Mm-hmm. He called him a second tier dog who'd never right. been part of a winning team. He didn't like him. And he, Seppala said over and over that he thought everybody, every dog and man in the relay deserved credit. And they all got credit to a degree. He also said he knew that the musher at the end was going to get the most credit, which mm-hmm. originally was going to be his role. But he was like, I'm fine with that. I'm just here to save lives. Give me the mm-hmm. hard part. Mm-hmm. But he was pretty bitter that Togo was not getting recognition. Kaysen mm-hmm. and his dog team go on a tour, like a press tour. Afterwards? Yeah. After Seppala was like, I don't want any fame from this. Mm-hmm. I don't want any money. Mm-hmm. Kassen is like, I've been in Nome, Alaska my whole life. He takes... The stars are aligned. <laughs> I got to take this opportunity and get the hell out of here. He takes... He wants to go to Miami Beach. He takes Seppala's dogs. <laughs> Without his permission? I don't know. He, But he... They have like a tour manager... And stuff. And they go on tour. World tour. And people are coming to see them. It's like a big thing. Yes. Okay. Balto is there. Fox is there. The other dogs who don't have names that I know are there. I think he brings six of them on tour. Then Seppala, who is like a world-renowned musher already, and he did the hardest leg, is like, I'm going to take my dogs on a tour. Two. So he goes with Togo and his dog team. And they even go to Madison Square Garden for, like, multiple nights and, like, fill it. Wow. With his dogs. Like, this is a thing. It's a famous story back then. But Kaysen works for Seppala. So then one day Seppala goes, hey, I need you to go back to Alaska to work. And Kaysen has no choice. And he doesn't have the means to bring these dogs with him. So he leaves all the dogs with, like, the tour producer, tour manager guy. So what's the point? He's not even making money? I guess not. I don't know. He leaves Balto and all the other dogs there. Seppala is still touring around with Togo and his group. <laughs> and Kaysen has to go back to Alaska without to work the dogs. For mm-hmm. Seppala. Yeah. When it's 1925 and then he has to send him a letter being like, here's what you have to do, apparently, <laughs> in Nome, Alaska for the week. Yeah. So he's back in Alaska. I think maybe closer to Anchorage. Kaysen goes back without the dogs. The tour producer, tour manager guy sells them as like a freak show side attraction the dogs yes the dogs balto fox those dogs sells them off Mm-hmm. yep oh my gosh yeah so the the tour promoter sells them to this freak show seppala is still touring with togo and his first string racing dogs uh-huh and to be fair togo seems like a great dog in the movie, they made him out to be so bad. They made them out to be enemies. But Togo was a good boy, too. No, Togo... They were all Togo, really good boys. Fantastic boys. Such good boys. Good boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Togo led the hardest part by far. Like, that is undeniable. But 
Seppala did send Cassin back without his other dogs. Seppala's other dogs. He didn't care. The promoter sells him to a freak show. The dogs are in this freak show. So the dogs are sold off. Mm-hmm. They're in this freak show. They're kind of forgotten about. They're in bad shape. Being starved. Yeah. Like, oh. so this businessman, George something, George Kimball, sees them at the freak show. And he recognizes them for who they are. And he is like, this is not cool. Can you give me two weeks to raise money to buy these dogs? So he raises as much money as he can. He ends up buying all six dogs for 1500 wow. But he raises enough that he can take them on a train to Cleveland. So, so Balto, not yet Alaska. No, no. They never go back to Alaska. Oh, Balto, that's sad. Balto, Fox, and the sled team end up living out the rest of their life at the Cleveland Zoo. They retire there. At the zoo? Yeah. But they're better cared for than the freak show. Okay. Better cared for? Isn't that where Harambe died? <laughs> the Cleveland Zoo? Didn't they shoot him dead there? I don't know. That was like the downfall of society was when that... I don't think Seppala ever goes back to Alaska either. I know that Togo dies in Maine. Oh. With Se- Seppala his has his like fur preserved or something. So Seppala's in Maine? Uh, He was at least when Togo died. Togo lived to 16. That's insane to just think about how far Alaska is from Maine. No, It's such a far journey. And then you think about the time, too, like 1925 when that was. That was a long journey. Mm -hmm. But think about how bad you probably want to take it out of Alaska. Yeah. You probably want to get the hell out of there. Uh And And at the time, you're just, you're out of there. So you don't have to even die there anymore. Yeah. And this relay was their ticket. So Balto, Fox, and the others. Balto, Fox, and the others are at the zoo. Yes. And they live out the rest of their life there. And when Balto dies... Balto died in 1933. He did this race in 25, 1925, at six years old. So he lived till about... He had a pretty good life Yeah, for a big dog. Mm-hmm. He finished it out at the zoo. 14. Hey, that's pretty good. He finished his life out at the zoo. Mm-hmm. He finished his life out at the zoo. He died. Uh, they preserved his body. They, like, taxidermied his body mm-hmm. it might have gone on tour at one point mm-hmm. either way it is still viewable it was in a museum for a long time now it's at like a historical society or the head of a trail or something wow it's probably next to the um marilyn monroe dress that yeah. was worn by kim kardashian last weekend it's like right next to it it's the marilyn monroe it's dress and then it's, <laughs> it's the buffed stuffed balto dog it's their pet yeah so a great dog still but honestly Probably not Togo. And in more controversy, that guy who was supposed to do the last 25 miles, the mm-hmm. guy who was asleep, mm-hmm. he claims it wouldn't have been that much work to get the dogs up and running and Kaysen only kept going because he wanted the glory for himself. Wow. So there was infighting. It was never mm-hmm. about the dogs. Mm-hmm. No, the dogs were great. All The great dogs were so dogs. good the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the whole story of Balto was about these horrible humans. Who were just fighting with each other. Well, these dogs, like, they weren't, these dogs were not messing around. Yeah. They were, it was so cold. Two of the dogs died because it was so cold that you had to put, like, a wolf pelt to protect the male dog's private parts. And one of the mushers forgot to on two of the dogs, and they got frostbite and died. Wow. Like, that's how cold it was. So, honestly... Here's to all the good boys. Here's to all the good boys. So the crazy thing to me was that in the end of 1925, Mm -hmm. 
Brooklyn sculptor Frederick George Richard Roth was commissioned to create a tribute to Balto. So he ended up creating that bronze statue, which now sits in Central Park. I've never seen it. I've never seen it either in New York City. I've never seen that statue. I've never been by it. But I guess it makes sense why he was such an inspiration now. But that's insane to me that the statue was dedicated in 1925 and his life continued. Yeah. After this. And he was in a freak show. In a freak show in the zoo. You can really go anywhere in life and like it's all about the ups and downs. I wonder what is the relation that we put a Balto statue in New York. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just people people probably just read the newspapers a lot in the cities yeah, and it like, was just concentrated and they were probably just they had nothing to do back then. Just they the were people probably here, so in love with the story. The people here who had money and were like, here we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's interesting because there was definitely a lot of fighting between the mushers. Not fighting, like petty fighting between mm-hmm. the mushers. You know, like Seppolo would be saying how all dogs deserve credit, but then being like, Togo took the hardest part. Balto's my dog too, and he's a second-rate dog. He's never been part of a winning team. Mm-hmm. When really all good boys. All good boys. Well, five and a half days. Six five and a half days. Thank you, Balto, for saving all of the people of the town of Nome, Alaska. And Togo and Fox and all the dogs that I don't know the names of. Mm-hmm. I think one was maybe named Georgie. Georgie. One of the first mushers, but the first team was full of amateur dogs. But we oh. love them, too. We love them, too. Wow, Maddie, I had such fun learning this story about Balto. All I ever did was watch the movie, so. Apparently it paints Togo in a bad light. It paints Togo in a bad light, and it probably puts him as steel or maybe Steel could be Fox, but the movie was pretty good, guys. It was actually serious. There was, like, a scene where the mortician was, like, creating children's coffins in preparation for all of these children's that were, children that were about to die. Oh, God. It was really dark Wait. at one point. Like, they would never make Encanto dark <laughs> like that. Wait, I'm also now confused because I could hear you laughing at the movie. <laughs> there was funny parts. There was funny parts. And then I was also, like, okay. surprised okay. by some of the stuff. But... Yeah, Balto. Great in the movie, great in real life. Mm-hmm. But but I think the important thing to remember here is not just Balto, all the good boys. All the good boys, and thank you to all the good boys. Also, Musher is a funny title. It's kind of like Fishmonger. You're like, whoa, <laughs> that's a cool title. Wow. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. We will.